Welcome to Women's Star, Dublin Lesbian Lions' new podcast created to showcase the stories within the LGBTQAI plus community. We want you to feel included whatever way you present yourself to the world. So if you have a story you want to tell, get in touch with us at www.dublinlesbianline.ie. Today's guest is Torin Glavin, Engagement Manager with Stonewall UK, an organisation campaigning for the equality of lesbian, gay, bi and trans people. We began by asking Torn to tell us about an article that she wrote for GCN about the relationship she has with her body. So I think as a trans person and just as a queer woman in general, I think bodies are kind of this taboo weird thing that we all have to be embarrassed and we all have to wear big Doc Martens and I like love Doc Martens, I don't wear them personally, but we have to wear jeans and long sleeves and we're we're always ashamed of our body and, and that stereotype quite annoyed me and, and Coming out as trans, I, I think I was always trying to live up to other people's expectations of what my body should be. And, and kind of during that process, I, I developed an eating disorder and I, I got very thin and I was I was very unhappy, but I looked pretty and I thought, oh, this is how I get acceptance. Success. Uh, success. I've got there. I am. I'm a beautiful person. Um, and increasingly in the kind of the few years after, as I became more comfortable, as I started doing well professionally, as I started dating, I, I, I was with my partner. I was sleeping with different people before my partner, not at the same time, obviously, um, or well, not so obviously, I guess. Um, it kind of reminded me that actually I could have some ownership over my body and it was my thing and I could talk about it in the way I wanted and I could have whatever feelings I wanted. And especially being a trans woman, as I said, with an eating disorder and who didn't want to have surgery and had very, very little interest in hormones. And I only started hormones maybe three to four years after I transitioned. Like, it was just, I didn't like body hair and that was the only reason I started hormones because I was like, maybe this will give me a little less body hair. Um, I was very late to hormones, I was very late to everything and, and for me that was okay but for a lot of other trans people that wasn't super okay and they'd been told by everyone, by society, by their families, by their friends, by other trans people that they had to do things a certain way and it really bothered me that then they were trying to tell me the same thing. Um, so yeah, I guess I wrote the article kind of going, look, I really want you all to stop telling me your norms and, and let me live in my body but also I want you to live in your body and I want us all to live in our bodies and be fine with our bodies because I think yeah it's it's one of the most damaging things to the trans community and to all queer women I think is just the, the and all women is the kind of the the hyper focus people put on our bodies and the expectations people have of our bodies and I thought it was wrong so I, I wrote something about it and I hope it helped. <laughs> Well, it definitely helped me anyway. Okay. So I don't know if it was aimed towards me, but I love it and I refer back to it quite a lot. Um, and so it, well, people that contact up in lesbian line, trans women, mm. they're often talking about feeling like they had, by coming out, they felt like by exploring their gender identity, they had to then, um, they feel like they had to forsake having any kind of sexuality, any kind of sex life. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be okay to say how you got around that or how you overcame that? Yeah, and it's really weird because a lot of my friends now know me as being like super sex positive and I talk about sex all the time and the first thing I do when I sleep with someone new is I text all my friends. But growing up and as a teenager, I absolutely was not. I did not talk about sex. I didn't have sex. I was just like, no, it wasn't for me. <laughs> and that was really, really the way it went. Um, and even my dad, who has come on quite a journey with me as I transitioned and is now kind of um, my biggest ally and like loves everything I do and loves that my professional life is supporting trans communities. Um, his big concern when I came out wasn't that it was wrong or that it was bad or anything. He just thought I was going to be alone. And I thought that too. I was really terrified. And really when I was transitioning, I thought I was going to be alone. So I 2015 in uh, Roman numerals tattooed on my arm. And that was because... 
Um, that was the year that I really started living as myself, I guess, in my trans identity. I'd come out in 2010, 2011, when I was 16, 17 as trans. Um, I'd come out as gay in, at like 14. Um, and then kind of from 2011 to 2015, four years, things progressed incredibly slowly. I told people, but not really everyone. I still used my birth name. I, I still kind of lived in the world as a man. Um, and it was a little bit scary and I didn't have a super great time, but by 2015 everything changed. We told my siblings at my 21st birthday party, which was in April, um, and by the middle of the summer no one called me he him anymore, no one called me my birth name, and I started having sex with someone I was dating at the time, and I started really kind of living my life, and it was when I was comfortable with who I was and I felt accepted and I felt supported um, that I really felt the confidence to start um, exploring my sexuality. That has never stopped since. <laughs> Um, 2015 was kind of, yeah, the first time I really had sex. I was 21. I'd had kind of other things with boys before I transitioned, but really hated every minute of it. Um, and then I kind of started sleeping with a friend um, in in that year. And then by the next year, I was with my partner. And <laughs> there was, I think, three or four people between that person and my partner. Um, so really, it kind of took me getting to a place where I felt supported in my life. Um, and I felt that people had my back, that I could explore my sexuality, because I think... Uh, trans women's sexualities are so tabooed and it's kind of this big scary thing of oh you'll you'll be attacked or you'll be this or you'll be ashamed or you'll be fetishized and they're really really real concerns and they're, and they're kind of terrifying so I really needed to get into a place in my personal life where I felt safe um, in my trans identity to even start exploring my sexual um my sexual orientation I was gonna say my sexuality um and yeah it's been exciting since and as I said in my GCN article it's been kind of something that kind of brokered a ceasefire with my my body a little bit and made me feel a little bit calmer with my body. Um, someone else exploring my body and someone else enjoying my body um, really made me a lot more comfortable with it. Um, and especially someone who, as I say, suffered from an eating disorder and, and even in 2016, 2017, um, was still very much in the grips of that. Um, it's kind of through sex and through my sexuality and through that kind of exploration of my body that I did kind of come to terms with my eating disorder and kind of get past that in a large way too. It's still part of my life, but a lot smaller part of my life than it was then. So yeah, I suppose support and love was, was how I discovered sex, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, that's really beautiful. I, I feel like a lot of people we talk to, they feel like they have to be feeling completely confident and whole in themselves before mm. they could share themselves with somebody else. But yeah. it sounds like for you, being with somebody else helped you to become... Definitely. love yourself and become yeah and a big and a big part of the 2015 tattoo it was it was people using my name and my pronouns that was an important part of it but it was the fact that I, I was dating someone for the first time and I had sex for the first time and I was enjoying that kind of thing for the first time and this this pleasurable experience that I kind of been held away from me as a trans woman and I'd been kind of going no you don't get to enjoy this I was getting to enjoy it um and I felt very very lucky and that was a big part of I just felt in 2015 that that I don't know how to say it in a non-stereotypical way, but a little bit someone went away a little bit and, and I just started living my life. Like I I don't believe in kind of dual people. I don't talk about me before 2015 as a different person. Um, but really, like, she kind of was. It was, I wasn't happy. I wasn't living my life to the fullest and, and sex and pronouns and names and everything that year really kind of led to feeling a fuller life, which is, is really important. And I'm very lucky, I think. <laughs> well, you sound like you put a lot of work into it, though. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, because I'm sure people will be thinking this as they're listening, mm. how did you meet people that were that you wanted to explore your sexuality with? Because oh that's gosh. definitely something that comes up. Yeah, it was it was a challenge. I think, and and maybe this is controversial, and maybe I'm ghettoizing my community. I don't think I am. I really think 
when you're exploring your, your sexuality as a trans person, I think doing that with other trans people, if you can, is really beneficial. I always had this really horrible thought in my head um, that because I was, was straight, I'm a straight woman, that I couldn't date a trans man. And I had these really horrible kind of things bedded in me that I hated. Um, and it was me hating myself and, and putting that onto other people. Um, and it was when I was finally comfortable enough to just go, I find you really attractive, let's sleep together, um, that I realised actually, like, genitals really, really don't matter. I, I don't love what people stereotypically consider a penis. I just, like, really love men and masculine energy. I hate men, actually. I would like, would like to clarify, hate men, women should rule the world. I'm very, very kind of one of those feminists who's, like, satanic feminists, hate all men. But definitely do enjoy dating them and definitely do, do enjoy being cared by them or cared for by them. Um, yeah, and it was it was kind of sleeping with trans men and, and dating trans men. And, and that sounds really silly, but they had experienced dysphoria and they understood what it was to be a trans person. And they just shared a lived experience with me that made me so much more comfortable and made me kind of confident. So, yeah, I think that's like a good place to start is within your own community especially if, if it's something you're new to because it's just such a, a comfortting thing to, to kind of hold that together that holds to hold that experience together if that makes sense that sounds incredible it was yeah it was an experience and it was a lesson I, I think for a long time I spent so much time hating myself and my trans experience that I put that on other people and it was only kind of letting go of that and made me really kind of go look live your life <laughs> and I like yeah it's been a lot of fun since <laughs> it sounds it yeah <laughs> And is that how, when you were saying, when you were thinking before about, and don't answer this if it's too personal, mm. about, um, you know, not thinking you sleep with trans men because of, you know, things you were feeling about yourself and, mm. and bodies and understandings of bodies and gender and things. Um, is that how you um, accepted your, you say in the article, look, my pussy looks how it looks. And yeah. I don't need surgery. I don't want surgery. Is that where you came to that or was that something you had all along or no, has that changed? No, that is where, that, that is absolutely where I came from that. So I, I was sleeping with, with a guy uh, really hot guy who I'd known for a long time we were good friends and he just referred to his dick as his dick and that was a revelation to me I'd never thought about just doing that and, and retaking those words and retaking uh, the words that we use to refer to our genitals and making them our own because to my mind a woman's genitals are is a, a woman's genitals are pussies and men's genitals are dicks and it doesn't matter what they look like that's what they are and that the language should be connected to the gender of the person not the biological anatomy and what it looks like that's such a stupid way to construct language so I just yeah, kind of yeah yeah we do it that way um and people get very confused because one minute I'll be talking about my pussy and the next minute I'll talk about not wanting surgery and and that does not compute to them they're like but if she's not having surgery how does she have a vagina and I'm like just don't worry about it too hard it's, it's, <laughs> it's not important I'm using the language I would like to use about my genitals um, and everything's fine but yeah I absolutely never thought about it and it was a big kind of a stumbling block to me around having sex is how do I talk about this and this guy was just like this is what I say and I was like oh my god I will just do that that is such an easy fix um and yeah it really helped me kind of become more comfortable with my pussy and, and kind of live with it and, and and have that experience and just be like this is fine I can I can do this I don't need to worry about it I don't need to talk about it in any language that I'm not comfortable with yeah um, and yeah it was a real revelation so thank god for him <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it, that sounds incredible because it's like you said, you know, taking your, your name and pronouns helped you with your, you know, coming out your gender identity. So it makes sense that then transferring that to your genitals, taking the, the words that, that you relate to and that feel good could help with like body acceptance. Yeah. And I guess when I was living in a world where I didn't have ownership of my name and pronouns, having ownership of what I called my genitals was never going to be achieved. And it really kind of, 
it all came together in, in 2015 and and I think for a lot of trans people that's a shared experience where like it will seem like for me it was four or five years of, of trying and um, for others it's longer for others it's shorter but it does there is the, kind of that moment in most trans people's lives where they're like okay I have it this is fine I it's fine and obviously there were things that were, were difficult after 2015 and, and there was still a journey to go on um, and I kind of feel like that journey is largely wrapped up now thank god um, but yeah I think for most trans people kind of hit a point where everything just fall into place a little bit and it makes everything else much easier. I couldn't have started exploring my sexuality without my family's support, as weird as that sounds. I wasn't comfortable enough and that's completely a personal experience, but I wasn't comfortable enough and confident enough to have sex with people. Having sex with people, the media doesn't tell you this, no one tells you this, it's really awkward. It's a lot of fun, it's very um, enjoyable, but it is awkward and embarrassing. And if you don't have kind of the confidence in your life, um, generally then finding the confidence through that really awkward embarrassing thing can be a, a block I, I think for a lot of people and it definitely was for me um so yeah it was all the other pieces kind of falling into place that made me go I can do this <laughs> I can be a normal grown-up woman and um, yeah and as I said I haven't quite stopped <laughs> ever since <laughs> and that could take us nicely on to Stonewall if that's yes, okay like wow <laughs> what's that like what was the move like how to get the job what kind of work do you do yeah um so I suppose I so will I just do kind of all the organizations and activists and how I got Stonewall does that work yeah 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 um so I guess I started in 2013 I met a lot of trans people and it was the first time I'd ever met anyone trans at all it was November 2013 at pink training um so for anyone who doesn't know kind of USI is big LGBT training and um, there was like 400 people and only 15 of us were trans and went to the trans closed space um, and it was really really nice and it was really kind of weird to sit in a room with, with other trans people. I'm actually going to Belgium this weekend to see my best friend who was there in that room in 2013 and um, he was 17 at the time, I was 18, 19 um, and it was like really odd to just sit in a room with trans people so kind of coming out of that we set up the Irish Transport Alliance um, and we run kind of every two years, we run a trans training event. So in 2014, there were 16 of us. In 2016, we were 50 people. And then last year in 2018, we were 65, 70. Um, so it's grown. We spend a whole week. We pay for everything. We make sure it doesn't cost participants a single cent. We pay for everything, accommodation, food, transport. We get them from wherever they are to the bus that's bringing them to the, the hostel. We, we rent out this entire huge hostel that sleeps, I think, 120 for us. Um, and that had always been kind of my passion when I was in college. Um, so we would have like, I think there were monthly meetups and we'd go to Accents Cafe um, and have coffee and it was lovely and we'd sit um, and then we would kind of do the trans training every two years. And it was kind of through that that I worked with Tenny for quite a long time. Um, so I worked with them on the Trans Youth Forum um, back in 2015. And then when the job for administrative officer came up in 2016, they asked me to apply and I did and I got it, which was very exciting. So then I worked with Tenny for two years um, as the administrative officer, um, which was insane because in an organization of six people, um, no one really has a set role and everyone just does whatever they can at any time. So technically I was meant to be answering the phone and running the office and, and making sure the office continued to tick over and, and kind of answering people's requests and supporting people, but really it was kind of a bit of everything. Um, and then kind of early in 2018, I, I decided I wanted to change. I'd been with Tenny for just under two years. I left Tenny three days short of my second anniversary, which still annoys me to this day. <laughs> I'm so annoyed that I did just under two years. Um, but yeah, just under two years, I'd been there and I decided I wanted to change. And a job for a trans engagement officer came up in Stonewall. Um, and it was really exciting. It was working between kind of Stonewall 
and trans community in the UK and it seemed like a fantastic role and I, I kind of applied for it and went I will never hear from them and then they were like oh can you come to London next week for an interview and I was like okay and I went to London and I left the office and I was like I'll never hear from them <laughs> that was it um and shockingly two weeks later they called and they were like we'd like to offer you the job and of course I had no intentions of moving to London I just went to do the interview for the crack I didn't plan on going um so I kind of went okay well can you give me a few days to think about it like it's a big decision I called my mom and she was like of course you're fucking going aren't you and I was like I don't know and she was like you are going <laughs> I was like I don't know let me think about it um, and I thought about it and it seemed like uh, it was a fantastic role. I didn't expect to get it um, and I did. So yeah, I, I went ahead and moved to London. So kind of all in all, there was about two and a half months between my interview and me starting. Um, and I moved to London with four days to spare before I started the, work, the job. So I finished in Tenney. I had about six days in Ireland. <laughs> I moved to the UK. I had about four days in the UK and I started the new job. Um, and it was intense and it cost me a fortune and I had absolutely zero euro left when I got there I was like it didn't matter I was in a new currency because I didn't have any money to spend in any currency <laughs> um but it was really exciting and I'm really glad I did it and now um a year later I'm kind of in in, in a role the trans engagement manager um the UK is such a different uh climate to here and there's a lot of challenges faced in the UK that aren't faced here um but it's been yeah exciting and a real like learning experience and I'm so glad to be there and and Looking forward to returning to, to Dublin, hopefully not the too distant future. <laughs> oh, we'll be so happy to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> I will run back. <laughs> um, and did you miss Dublin? Do I miss Dublin? I didn't think I did miss Dublin until I was on the bus going through Stony Batter, where I used to live and my partner used to live down the road as well. Um, and then I went past the Tenney offices and I was kind of sitting there on the bus on the way here and I was like, ah. <laughs> I was listening to Wallace Bird and I was like, queer Irish vibes all the way. I was like, yeah, I really do miss Dublin. But I think um, the experience in the UK is amazing and, and really the trans community in the UK has been so welcoming and so fantastic that like, I'm really enjoying my time there. I like, yeah, I really can't say enough. They're, they're wonderful people. And and there's such a different dynamic. People kind of think that the UK and Ireland are just across the sea and we were part of the British Empire. So of course it's all the exact same. Like literally, because I work in, in Berlin as well. Um, I'm the treasurer for Transgender Europe. So I, I travel to Berlin every two months for board meetings. And literally I feel closer to Dublin when I'm in Berlin than London. It's it's a different world. And, and the trans community in Berlin is much closer to the trans community in Dublin than the London trans community is to anyone. Um, so it's it's been a real kind of learning curve and some people with amazing stories and have done incredible things and people who fought for the original gender recognition act in the 90s and, and just yeah fantastic people so it's it's a very different dynamic um, and it's taken me a bit of time to settle in and kind of understand where everyone lies and, and where people's expertise are but it's really fantastic if that makes sense <laughs> it makes total sense i'm just in complete awe um what what are the differences in experience living as a trans woman in Ireland versus the UK? Yeah, I think one of the main differences is unfortunately the, the British media, for whatever reason, kind kind of sensationalises trans people a little bit. Um, so there's currently this narrative of, of trans people versus feminists. And it's completely untrue. Every feminist and every lesbian and every woman and every queer woman I've ever known has been a massive supporter of, of trans people. I've never had a problem with women or feminists and it's kind of this fake narrative has been created of oh, oh feminists versus trans women um, and it's just absolutely not the case um, so I'm hoping that it's a, a temporary thing and I think we'll work through it and we'll work past it and, and we'll get somewhere like a lot of damage is being done to the trans community and it's incredibly hard to see your existence debated and to see people being quite so vicious by trans people 
Um, but I really cannot stress enough that it's a very niche part of society that says these things and it's incredibly fringe people who for whatever reason have been given a platform and, and in a country of 60 million people of course some fringe voices are going to come out and if you hold them up and give them a platform then the media has to take responsibility for doing that those people wouldn't have the reach they did if that wasn't the case so I think it'll blow over I think give us two or three years and we'll be back in in, in calmer waters <laughs> but yeah it's been a real learning curve because obviously um, the trans community is, is, is very aware of that and takes it very personally as you of course would um, and we have such a different we had such a different experience here with the Irish media where they were always kind of coming to Tenny and going what can we talk about we want to talk about trans people living their lives um, so it's been a, a, yeah a new perspective um, and a new challenge to, to kind of face but I think we're on the right track and I think people like the British people from my experience of, of coming out to people are completely just as accepting as the Irish. It's just a bit of a media spin on it at the minute. <laughs> That's really interesting to hear. Mm. Um, like it's 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 disgusting and it's devastating to see trans lives up for so much debate in yeah. the in the UK media at the moment. And it's something that as you said earlier when, when we were chatting, you were saying you felt have always felt like now tell me if I'm misquoting you. Okay. Um like lesbians and queer women are natural allies with trans women. I've always felt that too. Yeah. But then as like a cis lesbian maybe I'm just <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just imagining that. No, but, absolutely. Um, and when I was transitioning in college, it was the, the cis lesbians who helped me find my identity and, and helped me through and even though I was a straight trans woman and really apart from the fact we were women, that was about as much as we shared in common. We were queer women, of course, but I was I was straight and trans and they were lesbians and cis and people go, people, oh, that's very different experiences. No, they were the people who helped me and they knew very little, but they tried their best and they invited Tenny in to give a talk. And I, this was in like 2012 and I didn't even know what a trans man or a trans woman was because in 2012 we just didn't talk about these things so someone came in from Tenny and they were like oh trans da, da, da. and I was like I have a question and they're like yes and I was like am I a trans man or a trans woman and they're like ha and I was like well I was a boy and I want to be a girl so am I a trans man or a trans woman they're like you're a trans woman um, and really I wouldn't have had that information maybe for I don't know how long after if these lesbian women hadn't been determined to find me the support I needed and they insisted I went to pink training and I really could not afford it in November 2013 I had no money um, but they made sure I could afford it and they helped me fund it and they really gave me the confidence to go and meet trans people so yeah I think it's a completely constructed narrative that in any way lesbians and trans women live at odds with each other um, I've never known that it to be the case and actually the vast majority of trans women I know vast majority is maybe a little bit but I would say a majority of trans women I know identify as bi or lesbian themselves or in, are, are in relationships with cis women and that's fine and no one talks about that being a really common thing across the queer community that's been happening for decades and no one talks about that and, and I think it's really disappointing that we're not kind of more clued into it to our own history because really um, we shouldn't be letting people kind of pit, pit us against each other and it's really nasty that anyone would even try to do that. It is really nasty. It's really disappointing. I always think when I do that because I'm like, you know, like oh, feminists and lesbians hate trans women. I'm like, most of the trans women I know are feminist lesbians. Yeah. So like, it's really weird. People are like these are different or... communities, and I'm like, yeah. I think that's just the same yeah. community, guys. I don't see the different communities, but yeah, it shows the lack of understanding there that there is like it really does. Um, but like we've had some amazing support. Like we've had Emma Watson. Emma Watson is, is that Hermione Granger? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it came out in her like trans rights T-shirt, and like Janelle Monae dedicated her Grammy performance to trans communities. Um, like we've had so many amazing women come in and go actually this 
isn't what I stand for and I will never stand for this and how dare you do this in the name of women and it's fantastic it's amazing to see so I think it's a bit of a storm we have to weather for now but I'm hoping it'll pass and we'll be back onto the beautiful calm ocean for that tired metaphor I keep using <laughs> um I I I truly hope so as well because it's starting to uh I've seen it impacting like on, on online discussions here yeah. for where, you know, people are always saying in person that never comes up, but then you see the online things and suddenly there's these rifts that wouldn't have, like, where, did they exist before? Are they just coming up because of the media stuff? Or? Definitely. And I think the thing is the British media is so kind of um, widespread across Western culture that it, it's really impacting other places. I think Trump is very much kind of spurred on by what he's seeing here and, and maybe not completely maybe he's not 100% clued into it but even just the idea that Britain in any way is turning on trans people which they're absolutely not and um, I'm sure it gives him every confidence to instigate his trans ban and, and we're seeing it a little bit here with pe- bits and pieces kind of leaking into to Irish media mm. um, but thankfully Irish media when they make mistakes have kind of been quick to go okay we're sorry <laughs> we, we didn't think that through um, and I hope that the bleeding kind of ends there and we, we, we can cut this off and stop it because we are seeing it start to kind of in, in, um, infiltrate other cultures and I would really hope that it doesn't spread any further than it currently has, if that makes sense. And it's up to all of us to stand up and say no to it. Definitely. And even like as, as something as small as if you see someone saying something transphobic on social media, just being like, well, I don't agree. Yeah. Um, it's often very hard to be the first ally to put your head above the power of it and go, I, I think this is wrong. And I think a lot of the time with current discourse, we're seeing that it's just getting that first person to go, I don't like this, this isn't right, um, is often difficult. So be that first person is my advice to any ally to a trans person. Always have the confidence. We will never attack you for trying to defend us. We will love you forever, trust me. Um, and I think, yeah, we definitely need allies, especially in the current climate, if that makes sense. And no, I do. I feel, I feel really, always feel really strongly that everyone has to, um, that... Because, you know, it's like that, that banner, trans rights are human rights. So mm. I'm like, it's not separate from it. It's for, it's involves all of us, yeah. however you identify. So Yeah, and it's really weird. There's kind of this, I don't know, there's this strange idea that trans is something new and different. And it's like, no, we've always been there. And we were always part of your communities and uh, part of our communities. We were always in these communities. And it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's a very artificial kind of constructed um, dichotomy of, of trans people versus everyone else. And it's like, no, actually... We've always existed and where we exist, we're happy and just kind of leave us alone for a minute, please. Um, and what do you do to protect yourself when that kind of stuff is going around? Oh my God, I don't consume and people find this shocking because people are like, oh, Turin, like wrote for GCN and she does this and she does that and she's on this board and she's on that committee. Like I refuse to consume trans media. I just will not do it. People are like, there's this lovely documentary with a trans woman. And I'm like, I'm not watching it. Um, and really that has been kind of my self-preservation and I think that's very personal I think that's because my job title is trans engagement manager <laughs> um, and I do this professionally that I kind of have to disengage um, but for any trans people out there like you don't have to be the expert on trans things you don't have to watch that documentary series about a trans child and their family like those things are hard to watch um, and the the onus is not on you to be the expert on trans things your cis friends can read about it if they're that interested they don't need to come to you you don't need to have seen it the night before to keep a conversation the next day and I think sometimes trans people fall into the trap of oh I have to know what's happening so I have to watch this horrible debate that some television station has decided to run absolutely not I as I said work professionally in this area work very closely with our communications team in Stonewall and just trust that they've seen it and they know what we're talking about because I don't because I have not watched it and and yeah that has been very much my, my coping mechanism. And I read a lot of Star Wars novels. I'm always reading Star Wars novels. 
Um, my name actually came out of a Star Wars novel. Torrin Farr was the communications officer on, on Hoth during the Battle of Hoth and she was from Alderaan. And because her planet had been destroyed, she made sure all the other rebels got off safe and then was killed by the Empire. Um, so I, I thought, well, she seems pretty kick-ass. Um, and Torrin has the same kind of letters as my birth name, just with an or thrown in there. Um, but I kept my initials as TG, which is the initials for Turing Glavin and Transgender, which is why I have TG tattooed on my foot in my dad's handwriting. Um, but yeah, I just, outside of work and that, my world is, is, and the really weird thing is I work in trans rights and all my friends are trans, like all my friends are trans, my partners have always been trans, um, but we just don't talk about trans stuff, which is very refreshing. And I think a lot of the time there's this expectation that if you're a trans person or if you're a lesbian or if you're a bi woman or... If you're a queer woman anyway, that oh you're going to talk about queer stuff. No, sometimes we just like to talk about Harry Potter and how disappointing the Game of Thrones finale was. <laughs> and sometimes that's how we live our lives and that's fine too. Um, so yeah, that's very much my coping mechanism. I buy a lot of Star Wars action figures, which I've been collecting since I was 11. Um, I stopped collecting for a little while when I was transitioning because I was like, oh girls don't collect Star Wars action figures. And then came back to it about two years ago and have like five or six hundred of them since I was... 11 so what the last 14 years wow. they take up so much space I have so many boxes full of them I put them all into these big huge plastic boxes I got on Amazon and I thought they'd like fold down nicely into like two boxes but there's like five of them and I'm like <laughs> what am I going to do with all of you um so yeah just kind of living outside the trans bubble <laughs> helps me stay sane if that makes sense I think a lot of people could be quite relieved to hear it's almost like getting permission to not have to consume all the trans media I feel like sometimes people like they've got to be experts or representatives yeah. for their identities and, and like, it's just like it's okay and definitely to. because my professional life is in trans stuff I've got like over the years not from anyone who's particularly important to my life but I've definitely got attitude from members of the community because I didn't engage fully with something they're like oh you didn't see it and I'm like no I didn't see it some person who hates trans people shouted at some trans woman on some tv show and I'm not watching it um, and I just think yeah no one has to subject themselves to watching hate and even nice things like nice things usually the vast majority of the time are created to educate cis communities on what trans people are and how we live our lives you do not have to sit and watch that because it will have really emotive scenes to bring in trans allies or to bring in cis allies which is really important and of course we want more cis allies but for you it's just going to be a little painful so maybe just take a break and go watch some big bang theory are we allowed like big bang theory anymore i feel like that's been cancelled and like i feel like misogyny. probably <laughs> you can like whatever you want yeah you can like whatever you want as long as the characters aren't misogynistic or racist please um no i can't think of it. you you go watch sabrina on on netflix um but really yeah, i think kind of that escapism living kind of outside the queer bubble sometimes can be nice and, and like living outside the queer bubble with queer people is quite radical um, because often when we're in groups we're kind of expected to just talk about our queer lives but I like talking about other things I like like my sex life <laughs> my favorite topic of discussion um, or discussion topic and like dating and all those kind of nice fun things that cis people and, and cishet people get to talk about all the time but unfortunately queer women and, and trans women don't get to talk about too often just talk about those things talk about what pennies are selling pennies is great stuff <laughs> or as they say in london primark oh yeah <laughs> it's been really confusing people since i moved to the uk people were like i got on primark and i'm like what's that is that is that new can you show me what a primark is and then they're like it's irish and i'm like a oh, penny is okay yeah. i know where we are <laughs> really oh, you, think, home. <laughs> you think you get used to it and i still to this day people say primark and i'm like what and they're like it's a shop it's from ireland i'm like okay i, I know where we are i get this <laughs>
um, just what you made me think of with pennies there, um, is about what's shopping and clothes and finding your style. What's that like for you? Yeah, so finding my style, it was, I want to say it was difficult. I don't know if it was difficult. It was a long time ago now. It was scary. I think a lot of people kind of brush over that part of transitioning and they go, oh, this is kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of superficial, superficial or... and, and not important. And it's the last thing trans people should be concerned about and they should understand the concept and theory of intersectionality before they understand anything else. Um, and intersectionality is incredibly important. I was just using that as a joking example of, of kind of social justice language. Um, but yeah, people are so often quick to kind of go, oh, you need to understand everything about trans identities and gender theory before you can be a real trans person. And no, sometimes you just need to buy a fucking dress before you can be a real trans person. And not that clothes ever make a trans person. Um, trans people can dress however they want, anytime. Um, but sometimes to feel that confidence within yourself, you need to find clothes that you're comfortable with and that can be a real challenge. Um, for me, I just found a friend who was really supportive, that same friend who I met in 2013 when he was 17 and I brought him to the women's section in Penny's and he was not impressed with me. And we did shopping and he was like, I don't want to look at bras, I hate bras because he was just getting out of wear, wear, wearing them himself. And he was like, I hate this, this is horrible, why are you doing this to me? And I was like, because I need help from someone. Um, and it was a horrible experience and... The woman was like, I went up with all my clothes and the woman at the, the dressing rooms was like, oh, the men's changing room was upstairs. And I was like, I know. And then I stood there and kind of stared her down. And she was like, what do I do? This person isn't leaving. They're just standing there staring at me. And I just kind of looked at her and then she, she gave me a little, you have four items of clothing, piece of paper, or piece of plastic and let me in. Um, so it's intense. I, I, I won't lie to anyone. The first time you kind of shop for clothes you're comfortable with is really scary. Um, but it's so worth it. And there's so many more options now than there was for me in 2013. Like, t 2013 seems like yesterday, but it was six years ago. And we did not do online shopping in the same way we do today. And God bless New Look and ASOS who have kind of plus size and bigger sizes for most trans women don't quite fit into um, what, what the vast majority of cis women fit into. And, and especially as a plus size trans woman for me, um, it's been amazing. So my advice is kind of go on to ASOS or go on to New Look, order... 20 items and you're only keeping three and you have free returns anyway there's so many options and then if you want to go into a store because sometimes that is fun I don't like it personally crowds make me anxious everything makes me anxious god bless a generalized anxiety disorder um but if you do want to go shopping find a friend I'm sure there's someone who will support you or even another trans person who's also really anxious to go shopping um I think it's definitely changing for the better um, and it's getting easier and also as a trans woman, as a working class trans woman who had absolutely no money to change my wardrobe when I first started um, transitioning, charity shops are a godsend and you find stuff in the weirdest of sizes and the oddest of shapes and there's always something to fit you. Um, and especially with trans bodies, sometimes we don't quite fit into the, the stereotypical norms that a lot of clothes are built for. Um, and I just cannot recommend enough if you're a little bit broke like I was in 2015 or a lot broke like I was in 2015 you cannot beat a two pound dress or here's that's the that's the London coming out of me a two euro dress from a charity shop it's so iconic the creators of this podcast are Dublin Lesbian Lions Laura Louise Condal and Katrina Murphy and we would like to thank Thorin for speaking to us on one of her short trips home to Dublin Dublin Lesbian Lion is a confidential support service for the LGBTQAI plus community 
If you've been affected by anything in this podcast, you can reach us at 018729911 or contact us on our online chat service at www.dublinlesbianline.ie. Dublin Lesbian Line is run by volunteers and relies heavily on voluntary contributions. So we would greatly appreciate any financial support you can offer. Whether it's two euro or 100 euro, it makes a huge difference to a small organization like ours. Thank you for listening and take care.